0: I think I broke my microphone.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, good whenever. We are the Uncultured Saints. I'm Pastor Goodman. Joining me today is Pastor Lietzow, and uh, we are, are here to talk about, um, are we on free will now?
0: We are on free willy. That's no. what we're doing.
1: Free Free will.
0: It's the same thing.
1: It's it's not. You're you're going right back to your Disney movie because you didn't want to do your homework for the podcast. Listen, there's
0: going to be a lot of Disney talk, a lot what? of Orca the Whale stuff. That and movie's as yo- old as me. For you younger, no, it's not. When were you born? 1984. Well, okay, so you got 11 years on that movie. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 uh, just a spoiler alert, everybody out there.
1: Uh, I'm gonna be talking a lot about free will. Can we can um, we talk about uh, movies that came out on VHS to a, a a youth podcast who who never actually had a VHS? No, I think you can because I think I think you can YouTube the entire video. It would be a mistake, I believe. <laughs> we're talking about free will, which is uncomfortable because it's one of those concepts that. Um, <laughs> you gonna get this out? It's.
0: Free will one of those concepts that's really difficult uh, to, to understand and to have a conversation about because, uh, like Pastor Goodman was saying, words, or wanted to say, uh, words mean something, but
1: they mean different things to different people. Well, they're kind of sticky like that. I mean, they, they sort of grab hold of things as you pass them through. It's sort of like a fruit snack that your kid pulls out of his pocket and hands it to you. It's not just the fruit snack that he wants you to eat right in front of him. It's, it's covered in all sorts of stuff. It's afford- <laughs> it's, that's don't a wonderful— I how that
0: analogy works. I,
1: I'm living my life, Pastor. That's how. Um. So I can say something like social justice, but that word in the last few years have come— to, it, it, it's grabbed hold of other meanings. It, it's been drugged through enough stuff that it, it's a loaded term. I can say um, free will. I, I can say love. I, I can say forgiveness. These are words though that that sort of pick up stuff along the way. And, and so sometimes it's really actually helpful to just say, "What do you mean when you say this word?" Or, or even just your catechism, "What does this mean?" Because no, it, this. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm,
0: I'm going to. Um... <laughs> No, this is important. Uh, and it, it's important, the reason why, because if we don't, then any conversation that we're having, unfortunately, in today's day and age, we're, we're going to risk the chance of getting at the end of the conversation, speaking with somebody who we're pretty sure we disagree with about certain things. But at the end of the day, we say the exact same thing and each walks away saying, mm, so who, who was right? we're wrong? talking right
1: past each other
0: and we're talking it right past each other so uh, for instance uh, when you're when you're speaking about things like uh grace when you use the word grace uh with a lutheran or you use the word grace with a roman catholic they mean completely different things uh so so grace grace for a lutheran uh and and don't don't crucify me if I if I don't speak exactly uh, the the right words. But basically, grace is, for a Lutheran, <laughs> grace for a Lutheran is uh, uh, is God's uh, divine undeserved favor upon us through Jesus Christ. Whereas mm-hmm. Grace for a Catholic, and again, I'm oversimplifying it, but grace for a Catholic is a substance that's poured into us, which allows us to do something. And yes, that is given by God, but it's this grace poured into me that allows me to do X, Y, and Z. So when you, when you quote scripture and you say, I'm saved by grace through faith, and the, the Roman Catholic says, yep. And the Lutheran says, yep. But we believe two different things on that on that section there.
1: Right, Um, and so when then we grab hold of our word of the day, uh, free will. um, We Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Yes, um, (laughs) you're just rooted in the '90s. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about Nirvana later. Um, When you when we're talking about free will we end up sort of bogged down in what we think it means. And more often than not, we, we get sort of rooted in um, the world around us and what it looks like. And so when I say, do we have free will, everybody automatically defaults to, yes, of course we do. Because I mean, I look around and well, I, I, I chose to get out of bed this morning. I chose to eat oatmeal for breakfast. I chose to wear this shirt. Um, and if if you say we don't have free will, it makes us robots. It means I didn't choose any of this, and I'm pretty sure that I did. Um, yeah, and, and if I may, we, mm-hmm. we're all okay
0: with that, and, and, and mm-hmm. everybody would agree um, that, that we're not robots in, in that in that regard. Oddly enough, when you get to the more important things, though, sometimes we don't know where to stand on that, and I might be going off on a tangent, but what I ate for breakfast, I have free will and God doesn't care. But when we maybe slide into uh, what job I should have
1: it gets to be a dark thing because you have to figure out what God's will for you is for your job or, or who should you marry or where should you go to college. Does God have a does God and have then a then I don't and then
0: I don't have free will on those sorts of things, but oddly enough I do all like you were saying, all of those things I have free will on. All of those things of this secular world, the decisions that I make here, uh, I have complete and utter free will on. I, I, there, I'm not a robot. There isn't this fatalistic thing that God has set out for my life that he has planned every single iota and speck big or small that isn't the case
1: right and that's actually a really important tangent we get this idea that god has a plan for my life and so unless i somehow figure out what his will for it is and choose the right college or choose the right woman to marry or choose the right job then somehow things will go much worse whereas all along the way god simply says well um baptize and teach everyone to observe all that i have commanded you and lo i will be with you everywhere that you go um, he he says, where you're you're receiving my gifts. I'm going to be with you, and so you can't choose a college that God's going to be like. No, I'm not going to go there. Um, there, you absolutely do have have free will. So, since you can choose everything, then in your life, does that mean you choose to believe? Right. That would be the
0: assumption, right? Um, th- that would automatically be the assumption that that we can choose. Uh, to believe. And, and that's where we're getting with this this free will, right? or, or our, our human power, our human ability to, to do these things. So when we' dis- when we're discussing these things, uh, and we're discussing it from a from a theological context, free will, and we use that terminology. Maybe it's not the best. Uh, maybe, uh, and I think Pastor Harrison's going to, uh, sorry, Goodman's going to bring this in a little bit later uh, with uh, maybe using the word desires a little bit better. But when when we're speaking of free will, specifically from the, the, the theological context, we're not talking about uh, what I had for breakfast. We're actually not even talking about. Perhaps a good thing that I did for my neighbor versus a bad thing that I could have done for my neighbor or evil thing that I could have done for my neighbor. We're not talking about that stuff either. What we're talking about, the, the, the chief question, the only thing that, that matters in regards to this doctrine of free will is what do I as a fallen sinful individual contribute to my salvation?
1: Right. And this actually isn't all that complex. We, we grab hold of this terminology and, and all of the philosophy that comes with it. And I think sometimes we make it a lot harder on ourselves. This is simply um, not even just, you know, how can you know about Jesus unless you've been told about Jesus? Because there still comes a point where you figure, I've got to choose to believe in Jesus. It, it's, it's the trust. Um, And there you see that play itself out all the rest of the world too. I can be in the car with my kids and we're driving somewhere and they're asking me the same question they ask me every time we go anywhere, whether we're in the car for five minutes or the whole day, are we there yet? And I can tell them exactly how much longer. I can tell them even the directions. First, we're going to get on this highway. Then we're going to be here for this many miles. Then we're going to get off the highway. Then you're going to ask me eight different times to go to the bathroom. And all the way along, that's not a good enough answer. Otherwise, you'd stop asking me the same question over and over again. My kids love me, but they don't trust me well enough to actually get them where they need to be. They think they actually need to have a hand on the steering wheel and know when. Dude, just relax. We will get there when we get there. God's law demands that we love and trust in him. And we think that it's our job to choose that trust. And, well, if we can't choose to trust unless that trust is first given— how are we going to do so with, with God? Um, in, in other words, how can we actually not only say we love God, but actually come to believe his word is true unless something bigger is happening? Um, and so when we talk about free will, maybe in, instead of um, using the term free will, like did I choose to believe in God? Just start simpler. Let's do, let's do free desire. Are you free to desire to call good that which God calls good? Are you free to desire the things of God? Are you free to desire his will is done, even if you have no idea what's going on? Well, this is the crux of the matter then, yeah. and, and the whole issue, because
0: from from the Lutheran perspective, we would say, the confessional and and biblical perspective, we would say, no, I don't have that, right? Uh, just to, to to real quickly summarize uh, part of our, our catechism, we say that uh, I believe that I can't believe.
1: Right. right. I believe I that I it. cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. So if that's going to happen, it has to happen from outside of me. The Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. But that doesn't make sense, Pastor cool. Harrison. That's, that's-, that's the whole thing.
0: Beca- and going back to th- then the do I have free will uh, and, and the natural inclination is yes, obviously, because I decided to, to wear this blue shirt today. And I decided to go to LSU instead of, I don't know, what's another college down there? Louisiana State University, right? The Cajuns. Uh, and Cajuns. And even just, why, I, I decided I to sit. I've never even been there.
1: Right. Why am, no. I, why am I bringing up Louisiana? I don't know. Um, but but even just grab the free will thing and say, well, I decided to sin. Like I'm not going to make God culpable for that. We just talked about sin is not God's creation, but but man's corruption of God's creation. God did not will me to sin. Um, God did not make me sin. I, I chose to do that. Um, and, and you can even say then that that the blue shirt that you chose to wear is sinful because God sure wouldn't have you wearing that thing. Um, that's that's hideous. But you you can say what the scriptures say. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. So we see that by nature we are born sinful thing that we've talked about but also that we are dead people who are still walking around doing dead people's stuff
0: yeah but pastor goodman that's just metaphorical i mean no. he's he's using uh paul here is using an extreme argument uh in order to to put his point across i that that's what people would say isn't it
1: Absolutely, um, except the sins that he connects it to really do kill us. Uh, again, he would write, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life everlasting in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not being metaphorical. Sinners die. It's, that's terrible. That's awful. That's so bad that Jesus had to die so that we would be given life in his resurrection. And so Ephesians chapter 2, that there were, you were dead in the trespasses and sins, no, that, that's absolutely literal. You're dead. You, you're just not in the ground yet. Like, honestly, it's coming for you, for me, for all of us. And I don't mean to be fatalistic. It's just the reality of this world, that we are mortal, we, we will die. And you might not be at that day or that hour yet, but even right now, as you're kicking dirt along the way, um, as a son of disobedience, you're not furthering your cause, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many idols you chase down, no matter what blue shirt you choose to wear this day, choose to not die, and then talk to me about free will. See, that, that has to be given that has to be a gift.
0: Yeah. And then we go back. I mean, this does kind of tie back as it should. Uh, And don't worry. I know we've already done a a handful of episodes because Pastor Goodman just couldn't get off of original sin. I love me um, some sin. But so we go back to and, and, and we see how this is tied to to this original sin argument with the if you have the correct understanding, appropriate understanding of what original sin is and who we are in our original sin, in this corrupted flesh, versus if you don't think your your flesh is fully corrupted then that's going to bleed over into how you understand free will or free desire. Yeah. Because if you don't think that from conception your flesh is corrupted in such a way uh, that is is terminal, then you're going to, with your free will, have the rational understanding that I can make. A decision. I can help along with this conversion. I can do some of this sort of stuff. Whereas on the other side of the coin, if you've come to the conclusion, and we would say correct conclusion, uh, scripturally speaking, if you've come to the conclusion that <clears throat> I have been conceived in sin, and that sin will lead to death, then the only rational understanding for that is to have an understanding of a bound will, not a free will. I don't have a will that is free to choose Jesus. I don't have a will that is free to desire the things of God, to desire the things of forgiveness and the
1: gospel and salvation. My will is actually bound to the opposite. So two things then. Um, First, I love that you pointed out that the stuff we believe is actually connected, like it's not just pick and choose, because these things, um, they tie together. And so if you misunderstand one, it's going to have consequence on what you think about another. And we're going to see that as a theme throughout our our time in in, uh, season one of the Uncultured Saints as we we go through the the connections that that one conclusion has upon the other. But but also, I really think it's a wonderful thing that we're dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. I really think that Wait it's Wait a minute. A how gift. is that good? No, it's Pat. it's a gift. Yeah, well, because here's did. the thing. Um it's not good that you're a sinner. Don't get me wrong. But it's good that this wasn't yours to fix. You were an enemy of God and he loved even an enemy and died for even an enemy. He By the preaching of the word through the Holy Spirit, made you alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. By grace you have been saved. If we want to keep going with Ephesians chapter 2, that means it's not yours to fix. And so when we start to deal with the people outside of the church, when we start to deal with that person in our life that we're actually trying to figure out the right way to say this stuff to, we can take a deep breath because it's not our problem. If our wills really are bound, well then it's God's word. That has to free them. It's God's word that, that has to make dead people alive. And so it's not your job to somehow convince people that Christianity is more fun than not Christianity, or or even that Christianity is more true than not Christianity. It means you don't need to find the right magic words to say to make somebody believe what you just said you couldn't by your own reason or strength believe yourself. You see what well, I mean? Well,
0: no, I absolutely do. This you're getting down a point where I think we're going to get later on, and we could touch about it now. That that third article of the Apostles' Creed stuff, uh, where, like you said earlier, we said, uh, "I believe that I can't believe," right by my own reason or strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's the work of God, Him doing it's, it, and and He does it through the work of the Holy Spirit. He does it through certain certain
1: means. He does it in He certain does it ways through the gospel. That Yes. That he's tied himself to. It's the gospel because here's the thing, most of the time when we sort of have these sort of initial confrontations about Christianity, it's never rooted in that. It's never rooted in, did Jesus rise from the dead for sinners? It's always rooted in the law. And there, it's a much tougher sell because the law demands faith. It absolutely does. That's the first commandment, but it cannot provide it. Only the gospel provides faith. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, who has called me by the gospel. Um, and, and that means that when we talk about uh, Christianity, our opening gambit doesn't simply have to be rooted only in the law. And in fact, I don't know that it it maybe should be. Because Gambit the,
0: is an underused X-Men character.
1: He, he's the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for another wonderful 90s reference, uh, this Pastor Lietzow.
0: This is how I, I show my worth to this podcast.
1: No, so, so what I'm saying though is um, a, lot of, a, a lot of the youth group um, outreach activity I, I have is always sort of rooted in the fact that um, kids, we want you to stay in school and not have sex and not do drugs. Um, but at the same time, the cell that we approach only through the law is always at best full of hypocrisy, um, and, and at worst, just outright false. Like, nobody's ever been convinced, hey, kids, you know what's more fun than having sex? Not having sex. Nobody's ever bought into that with a straight Get face. Get high it on does life, man. Um, It does not work. It's foolishness to think that it would, too. But what we can say is the Holy Spirit, by the preaching of the gospel, says that sins are forgiven so much that having our eyes opened in faith, having that, that death... Ripped away and and life given, we can actually start to say, my Lord has a better path. It, it's not that it doesn't include this thing, but it, that it shields me from the potency of it. It it, it recognizes that that um, the gift of intimacy is a gift, but it's a potent one, and so He would want to to shield it by wrapping it in marriage. Um, and then what we can talk about then is the gift of marriage. Hey kids, you know what's better than something meaningless? Something meaningful. You know what's better than something temporary? With bad consequence? Well, something with a uh, benefit that lasts as long as you both shall live. We can start with the fact that God has awoken us to something more than uh, the, the desires of any given moment. But in all of it, it can't just start with what feels good at the moment. It can't just start with what's more fun or even just what's reasonable. It starts with something unreasonable. It starts with Jesus, who is risen from the dead. See, and the problem with everything that you
0: just said <laughs> <laughs> is uh that none of that makes any sense uh none of that makes any sort of sense to my rational logic pastor good pastor that's the yeah.
1: right place to start <laughs> but, no it really well, is yes, no it is it is christ has risen the, from the that's dead the problem that's the beginning the gospel isn't about ration. it's a rationale, it's about love. Jesus well, yes. loved you in a way that makes no bloody sense. He died on the cross bloody that your sins would be forgiven. And then but, only in that trust can we actually start to say, I don't understand why this is wrong because it doesn't hurt me even if it hurts you, but well, I my, guess.
0: Well, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But my, my point in all of that, my, my point in bringing mm. up the fact that, that the nothing that you said made sense <laughs> is that's why— uh, most of our our discussions uh, go about uh, the things that make sense, right? The things that make sense of the law. Yeah. The things that make sense are the the is the law of God that's that's put out there that says do this and you shall live. Mm-hmm. Uh, do X, Y, and Z, and here are the consequences of. Of, of doing it or of not doing it. And all of that makes logical sense because all of it should. There's no, there's no mystery at all in the law. And so like that. that, that's, that's the actually, the exactly. The gospel is the mystery, but, but that's actually where then are, if we have this original sin, then, we're not going to because our our flesh is corrupted in such a way that the things of the gospel aren't going to make sense so the only thing the only way that we can try to understand uh the only way that we can try to understand the things that are not understandable is through our own natural uh, natural inclinations is through the things of the law is through the things that make rational sense so we're going to bring our rational logic to the thing of free will. So rationally and logically, we're going to say, yes, I can make a decision for Jesus. I'm going to bring this law in there. Yes, I can make myself a good enough Christian so that I'm worthy of receiving the gospel. These are the logical things and the logical places where we want to go
1: and that's always the wrong place. Right, because you're making an assumption that he hasn't first given you the, the logic. Um, I mean, even as corrupt as it is. Um, so in other words, you can choose to take your next breath, but you had to be made alive first and when you ignore the fact that god has already given you this gift you think that it's yours to maintain it was even as it was yours to choose and none of that's true it's always him providing and then you start to measure christianity in the law instead of the gospel because you chose because you thought you you've stopped or excuse me you started after the point that god already gave a gift and you decided this was my job and that's why when we talk about what a good christian looks like we never actually describe the gifts of christ we always talk about the outward works of the law in which case Christianity looks stupid because most of the time I know Christians who are sinners and the nicest people I meet aren't Christian. Mormons. Hands down. <laughs> like, just hands down. Um, <laughs> they are bound by I, I I live, well and they're nicer. Be,
0: before, before I moved to, to Wheat Ridge, I was in Albuquerque and, and there's a, a pretty big contingency of, of, of Mormons in Albuquerque, which I didn't know. Hmm. On my street, Uh, I would say a third of the people were were Mormons. Mm. And I tell you what, uh, I wouldn't want another neighbor. Uh, The person uh, living next to me was a Mormon. Across the street was a Mormon. Down the block was a Mormon. And they are the best neighbors you could ever have because they're never going to throw a kegger till 2 in the morning. (laughs) Uh, You're never going to have the cops called to their place. Uh, they're never going to throw uh, garbage over your fence. They're never going to kick your dog. They're never going to do any of these things. In fact, they're going to go above and beyond. Even if for I'm you, not, who was doing all of those things, they must well, have hated having <laughs> you as a neighbor. Exactly. They couldn't stand it. And yet if I went up and I said, hey, uh, I need some help with some yard work, uh, they were they were bound to help me. They had to do it. I, I, I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek, but... We would say that, and to your point, Pastor Pastor Goodman, we would say that some of the nicest people out there who do really good things for their neighbors or for strangers aren't Christian. They don't right. believe in the triune God. They don't understand the things of the gospel. Jesus isn't the one who died on the cross for them their their belief is this. Obviously, he did. He died for, for everybody. That's that's not what I'm trying to say here. But the unbeliever,
1: there's tons of nice unbelievers. And happen. that's fantastic. It's good to, to do these good works. But um, the question is, do they have the peace that we have? Because the Mormons might be nicer, but I guarantee you, you have more peace. Because you're not doing these things out of fear, out of guilt, and out of secret shame that you have to be doing these things publicly in an outward fashion to the point where you don't become the neighbor that everybody looks down upon. A- as a Christian, we have a peace that is not rooted in the law, but in the gospel. We're not talking about whether or not believers and unbelievers can both be nice. Of course, unbelievers can be nice. E- even our confessions would, s- would acknowledge this. Um, uh, Chemnitz would write, in worldly and outward affairs, which apply to the livelihood and maintenance of the body, a person is cunning, intelligent, and quite active. But in spiritual and divine things, which apply to the salvation of the soul, a person is like a pillar of salt like Lot's wife. In other words, when it comes to furthering yourself, of course you're gonna be very intelligent about it because as a sinner, you know who I love more than anybody else? Me. So if it furthers my reputation in society, if it helps society get along, if it helps me get ahead, I'm gonna be real smart about it. Um, But if it comes to, well, trust, that I can't do. Look to Lot's wife. This is a wonderful example. Um, Lot's wife was, was led out of Sodom, away from all of the, the tragedy that was about to strike the city because of, of um, just the sin that has all but destroyed it even before the fire ever came. She was told, get out, um, but she left by the law, not by the gospel. She left explain, by. Explain that. She Unpacked left by little. The, the, the raw command of God get out now. But the thing is, all the way along there, the one thing that she couldn't quite do was say, it's good that I'm leaving. And so as soon as she was told, don't look back, well, what do you think she did? She turned around. She looked back. She turned into the pillar of salt by the story. This is what happened. She when should we- have
0: listened to Oasis. There's a song by this don't. band <laughs> called Oasis. It says, don't look back in anger. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good song. I encourage you to look it up. It's on
1: cassette. <laughs> CD CD at least. Okay. So when you want to do this thing simply by the will you outwardly obey God's command? A- absolutely. You can find all sorts of people who, who can outwardly do these things. But the idea that, that I would say it's good that we're here. I trust that God has this thing under control. That comes from first, well, faith. Um, of course, there's an outward extent to which anybody can follow that which is healthy for them. But it's always done in the way that we relate to other people, never in the way that God relates to other people. In other words, it's always done in that I, I recognize this will be good for me if I do this or good for my, my tribe if, if we do this. It's never rooted in the fact that God died for this person and God died for me. And, and God calls us holy, not based on our works, but based on his mercy. So what we're doing then isn't about us. It's about his love.
0: So going back to that Chemnitz quote that you said there, hmm. uh, that it, in in regards to worldly things, I'm I'm free to do. Um, you can wear your blue shirt if you want. Prefer yes, and and I'm free to, to, to be nice to my neighbor and to help my neighbor and to do all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So and it's so good. because of that, and it is good. So because of that. My, nat- my natural reason my natural logic and i know we're kind of hitting on this uh, a couple different times but my natural reason and my natural logic is if i can do worldly things if i am free to choose the worldly things that i want to do it only makes sense then that i'm free to choose the spiritual things no and and as cabinet says that's not the case right it well, can't be the case right, it can't because- be the case bef- before conversion during conversion or even after conversion, we're going to get to that a little bit later. But it's still the work of the Holy Spirit. It is still God's, uh, the fruit that God has made for us, right? It's not. It's not us. It's not the old Adam. It's the new Adam, and it's the. But it's the new Adam uh, that is. It, it's the Holy Spirit who's enabling this new Adam to do all of this sort of stuff. So, so in essence, it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's it's the fruit of Christ. Because it's not the thing is it's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna get there, but but it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in me. Who's and yes, He's already brought me to conversion. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not me. My my sinful flesh, uh, the the sinner that still rages within me is is gonna still fight even after conversion, tooth and nail against the things of God. That's what the sinner does. Right. and
1: I'm sorry I'm still a sinner yeah absolutely and so even along the way the flesh is weak um, so um you, you were saying then since it, it can't be you who does these things um, so so grab hold of then your your research for free will which was on VHS in the 1993
0: okay so no stop it you're, you're you're making fun of a natural treasure <laughs> that that is this movie all right um, it actually does have uh, a lot to say uh, to, <laughs> this, to, to this free
1: will conversation. And, Explain and I mean to me, sin- Pastor, how free willy has to do with teaching the proper understanding of free will. No, I mean that sincerely. Okay,
0: so <laughs> for, for the two of you out there who haven't actually seen this movie, uh, spoiler alert – but uh, I'm going to tell you a lot of things, that, well, not a lot of things. But there's this troubled kid, right? And uh, he's, he's had uh, some difficulties in his life. It's a poor guy. His name's Jesse. And so Jesse Jesse's, he's gotten into trouble. And long story short, um, he has to, to do some community working hours. Uh, at a SeaWorld-type place. I don't want to say it was SeaWorld, because it wasn't. Uh, and, ShmiWorld? And sure world. Sure sh- shmi world. But no, no. Anyways. So uh, he has ocean to do world. some community, community work at this ocean park. And, 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 I, and I'm sorry. For all of the bad things that I've ever done in my life, I've never got to go hang out at a zoo to do my community work. Sorry, that's
1: just an aside so so, so wait, I, I, you're I saying this movie that's... might not be the best basis for our understanding
0: <laughs> no, let me get there because that's the only bad thing in the whole movie. the only thing that doesn't make sense in the whole movie anyways okay Challenge. so there is this there is this uh uh Kiko with the whale he's not really Kiko his name's uh, Willie in the movie, but in, in real life he's kiko uh and aside uh, the poor guy uh died when he was set free
1: but <laughs> you've either been anyways. very passionate about this for a number of years or checked i m d b
0: <laughs> right, a little bit of both.
1: <laughs> but, so anyways,
0: uh, what took place is, uh, at the very end, we're going to save Willie. We're going to take him out of this, uh, this horrible zoo place, right? This is what Jesse's going to do with the help of s- some adults. But it's all Jesse's idea because kids are smart. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, he's going to free Willie from this, hence the name of the, uh, of the movie. He's going to free <laughs> Willie from this horrible place. And he's gonna take him to the ocean because that's where orcas belong—not killer whales, people. Let's get this right. It's orcas. <laughs> so, brings him here. But the problem is he's set. He's 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 in a harbor, and the bad guys who want to keep uh, Willie bound here is uh, they they set up uh, this this buoy system and this net that's gonna trap Willie. So, in essence, you've got Jesse, <laughs> this kid who's brought Willie. All the way to the ocean, but its he's in the harbor, and he's surrounded by nets and, and this jetty. Uh, he's almost to freedom, so darn close to freedom. He's been brought 99% of the way to freedom, <laughs> but now Jesse can't do the last part of the freedom. He can't take him into the ocean itself. <laughs> Willie's got to do it. If only Willy's there was a motivational
1: song that could help him make the
0: decision. <laughs> Please, everybody, uh, YouTube Free Willy theme song, and again, you will be transported to the nineties uh, <laughs> like a way that you've never been transported.
1: Before. I'm sorry that you're taking this so it's seriously, and I can't stop laughing gonna, at you. It's gonna change. It's gonna change your life. So,
0: as I was saying, now you've got Willie who's stuck in this harbor, and he's got to get out. But Jesse's only—he's done as much as he could, and and all the rest of the adults. Well, they would just. Worthless. Uh but so Jesse urges him. Jess urges him. And Jesse runs around to this this rock jetty. And he's urging Willie. You've gotta do it. Dig deep, Willie. Dig deep. <laughs> and he's speaking in English, not in Orca. But Willie understands. And so Willie he he picks up steam and he he jumps over this jetty. Uh, And and his belly touches the outstretched arms of Jesse (laughs) as he jumps over him and lands in the ocean, and now he's free. So now we've got Willie, who has uh, been brought to this place of freedom by Jesse, but this last little section... Uh, this last one percent, Willie was able to accomplish.
1: I think so. Let me just see if I understand your your analogy uh, between free <laughs> will and free will. Your, your metaphor. Um, so, um, so 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 because um, Willie made that great decision um, at the very last moment, even though he was helped along the way, there was within him the ability to be free. And what you're telling me um, to to give me peace, pastor, is that the whale should have just been dead in the whole movie just lying there as a carcass um, and, and that's much better. Uh, thank you <laughs> no, what no basically what I'm saying uh, we're, we're and cheap, dead in the chest is insane So the whale but, was just in the harbor <laughs> dead and floating and and then
0: <laughs> no what. What I'm saying is. There's no song that's uplifting. This this is an analogy. There's no Michael Jackson. Stop it. There's plenty. Uh, This is an analogy of uh, the natural uh, belief of, of, I would say, conversion, Mm -hmm. right? Is that uh, we would say, okay, uh, yes, we, fine, we'll take that Ephesians. Uh, section and say I'm dead in my trespasses and all of this and that God brings me all the way here and shows me his gospel and I hear it, right? I hear this gospel spoken into my ears and then we've, we've gotten all that way with saying it's all God, it's all God, it's all God, by grace you have been saved, by grace you have been saved and then my natural inclination says but I've got to do that last thing I've got to make that decision. I've got to make that choice. I have to jump over the jetty into freedom.
1: Right? Right. So, I mean, if and only we had a, a word of God then that would say over and over again that this this was not a, a thing that happened. Um, so, for example, um, I, I don't know. Uh, Let me just grab all of them. Uh, For the intention of man's (laughs) heart is evil from his youth, Genesis 8. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, Romans 8. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, Galatians 5. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, Romans 7. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, Romans 7. I delight in my, the law of God in my inner being but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, Romans 7 um, the, the heart of the unregenerate person is as a stone Ezekiel 36 um, it is like a rough block and wild unmanageable beast, Jeremiah uh, should, should we just should we keep going? Um, did the
0: but I can still choose Jesus
1: This is why you are dead in the trespasses and sins you you cannot get your head around this one point um but this is the difference between the law that is in your heart written in all men's heart and the gospel in your ears because the the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of christ so that we who are so convinced that we have everything figured out even as we wage war against god dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked god in his mercy reaches out to us and he says no no you're dead but here's my dead and risen son for you that you would live. You don't have. to. Yeah. Sorry, Go ahead. I, I, no, I was just gonna say um,
0: it's interesting. I, I I love how you did actually read all of those uh, sections of scripture. And if if you just quickly flip through uh, the the formula of concord, I'm not sure if there's if there's another section uh, or another article in this in this formula that. That will quote scripture more than this one. I mean, th- maybe there is. Oh, I know. I mean, like, I didn't a, even do half of it. There's a
1: ton in this. Exactly. And and that was just one section of this. Right. How about, like, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That was um, John, Galatians, James, Corinthians. Um, we Not that we
0: all. It's not just in one place. It's all over. It's amazing how it's all over the entirety of scripture this this clear proclamation of this as we would say as Paul would say in Ephesians this deadness of us we are dead in our sins there's absolutely nothing that we can do and then yet you've got a vast majority of christianity out there and i'm not even speaking about uh, the unbelievers you got a vast majority of the uh, of the christian church out there saying that that last little part is up to me i've got to pray the sinner's prayer i've got to accept
1: jesus into my heart i've got to make him to be my savior I've got to do that last thing. I wonder if there's a reason. I, I wonder if it's because we haven't found Jesus in the places where he's promised to be. Um, so the same section warns us against something called enthusiasm. And that, that's not just like being really peppy for Jesus or anything like that or, or being really, really passionate about a movie from the 1990s that nobody else cares about. Um, it, it, enthusiasm is seeking God apart from me. Watch your mouth. <laughs> enthusiasm then is is looking for God apart from the preaching of his word and the administration of the sacraments. So here's the thing, if you don't actually think God is present in his word and sacrament, you've got to start looking other places for him. And the one place we always seem to look for then af- outside of the gospel is well the law, in the doing of something, in the me choosing of of something. Um and, and so cr- enthusiasm is is it, it's it's very very dangerous stuff because you go looking for promises where there are none made to you. Mm. I think I think Luther
0: says, and again, I might be misquoting him or just attributing something of my own words to him, which is always. A it's good easy thing to do. do. Yeah. It's it sounds it makes good. you win arguments. But some, it's something something along the lines of 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 all unbelief is enthusiasm, or or there's enthusiasm tied into this sort of unbelief, and and again. Just just so that we can go over enthusiasm again so that, that we understand it and so that you'll be able to, to speak to, to your neighbor about it without maybe even using the word enthusiasm because you bring that up and nobody's going to No, you don't have it. To, to use all the way to, your back neighbor, to but you have to
1: understand this yourself so well, that you can talk th-
0: But that's my point. It's, it's, it's going back to, to what we began with, right, When when we were saying words mean something, but they're going to have different meanings around. So when we speak of enthusiasm... We're speaking about uh, hearing and knowing about God apart from the way that God has made himself known. So it's being able to or looking to or hoping for God to show himself
1: in a way that God hasn't promised he's going to show himself. Right. And for our own fear, even just is God actually where he promised to be? because if he's not, then we're wasting our time in church. And I think that's mostly our fear. So when we get to talking about Christianity, we always try to describe it by its trappings instead of by the Piece of the actual present God. But this is, I mean, Luther even, even writes in the Small Call articles, which is, is a later thing, but it's the same thing enthusiasm. He says, God does not want to deal with us in any other way than through the spoken word and sacraments. Whatever is praised as from the spirit without word and sacraments is the devil himself. In other words, if you go looking for, for Jesus, where Jesus hasn't promised to be, you might find something. But obviously it won't be Jesus. But what if I call it Jesus? That makes it worse. Um, That's like cauliflower potato chips, Pastor. You can say that it's a potato chip. You can say... But if it's made from cauliflower, I don't want to eat it. That, That...
0: it is a horrible vegetable.
1: It's, it's the worst. That's why they have to make it into everything else because it's, it's of no value in and of itself. It's, it's a product of the fall. Um, it, can't, it can't stand on its own, man. No. No. Um, from when to, Adam and it's Eve got to sins. pretend that were, it's mashed cauliflower. Yeah, paid. there were thorns and thistles and cauliflower. Um, it's the worst, and, and, and nobody should praise it ever. <laughs> and, why, and why would you take broccoli and then make broccoli flour? What's broccoli flower?
0: You've never seen broccoli
1: flower? No, and I don't
0: want to. It's a crossbreed between broccoli and cauliflower, so it's green cauliflower. That sounds awful. It's not good. It's not. Um but what <laughs> if there was, if you ever needed any other proof that we
1: are living in a fallen world. Mhm.
0: Broccoli flower.
1: Is there another 90s movie that you could reference to transition us back on topic? Can you raid your VHS collection for me real quick? i don't know all right so in other words then um let's go by the word of god then instead of your vhs collection or by our feelings here's the transition for we should not and cannot always judge from feeling about the presence work, and gifts of the holy spirit um if if you want to go looking for god where he hasn't promised to be found if you want to go looking for god based on what you're doing or what you're feeling if you want to go looking for god in, in that well, when you need him the most, he'll feel the farthest away. If you want to go looking for God in, in your works, when you can't do anything and you actually need him, you won't find him. Or, or when in your 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 happy feeling in your heart, when you're lying in a hospital bed, broken down by the power of death that is sin, God will feel very far from you. The the word, the sacraments, they're given so that you might know that He is near to you, just like He promised He would be. The weird thing is about
0: this enthusiasm stuff. It's 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 been around. Forever and you again. You're going to be able to see this in in scripture, but you're also able to see it. We had it with the the reformers. We had it with with Luther. We had it with. Uh, and uh, make a note here because I'm trying to. I always forget this guy's name when I'm actually trying to bring it up. Who's the guy that Luther's writing against in um, uh, against the heavenly prophets? The guy who swallowed the Holy Spirit and all. Karlstadt? Karlstadt, there it is, okay. Uh, you, you have it with Luther, even at the very beginning of, of the Reformation, where you've got uh, uh, fellow pastors and professors at, at the same university who are taking the Reformation and going s- far too far with it. And so he, he even writes a- against this guy named Karlstadt, uh, saying that he, he swallowed the Holy Spirit feathers and all which which basically he's saying is is Carlstadt's this enthusiast again meaning that Carlstadt is looking for Jesus looking for conversion looking for all of these things apart from the word and sacraments so then fast forward to us sitting here in 2019 and all around us and all around Christian churches we're never going to use this word but all around these non-denominational churches, these Baptist churches, I would even say it it necessarily moves into the Roman Catholic churches, all around is enthusiasm. It's just looking for God and his promises to be in some place that he hasn't promised them to be. This is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun.
1: Absolutely. And where we always try and put them then is rooted deep within the law. If you're doing it by a feeling, by a work, by by any of these things. It's always going to get buried in the law in some way, because you need to somehow manipulate the emotion by doing something. You need to somehow bring about the, the present response by doing something. And in all of it, God is saying, this is not about you. This is not about what you are doing. This is about Jesus for you. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift to have a bound will. It's a wonderful gift to know that God calls us to faith apart from our will, our, our strength, our ability, our, our anything, because then you can't mess it up. At best, if you want to make this about you, you have the hypocrisy of, of warring desires, of, of wanting both to be a better Christian, but also to go and sin. Um, and at worst, you have something that isn't going to make sense to anybody at all because it's light compared to darkness. Um, it, it, at, at best, you sort of have this idea that Christianity is sort of pretending until you finally believe it.
0: Sorry, I was looking up Free Willy too. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem with the Free Willy franchise <laughs> is... <laughs> You should have just stopped at the first one, right? Uh, because if you've got Free Willy, who's now out in the ocean, uh, why he got caught again? Is he, why why is he getting caught again? You made it there. See, it's not like the Mighty Duck franchise, where at least like the second one, <laughs> you, you could justify them being a second movie, not a third. You know, when they go off to college, that's just dumb. <laughs> but
1: but you just know when you're ahead, right? <laughs> I'm done. No, I'm still no. not with you on the first one because what you had to do was put a whale in captivity so that you could make a movie about how whales shouldn't be in captivity. Um, I, I'm gonna challenge no, you.
0: No, I this. didn't. That is ironic, though, isn't it? That that this whole movie is championing, champion, championing. Uh, the freedom of of this orca, uh, but you know they didn't get a wild orca for this. <laughs> Like, they got an orca that was sitting there in SeaWorld.
1: I shouldn't be encouraging you.
0: <laughs> Just... Oh, talk hypocrisy. about Jesus,
1: not Free Willy. Go.
0: <laughs> okay, so where were we going? We were I don't even know. Enthusiasm. I'm stuck on Free Willy no. again. No, we were talking about enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, the danger of enthusiasm. It, it, and, and maybe we should talk about how enthusiasm or or... Yeah, how enthusiasm ties into conversion, how enthusiasm ties into free will. Because, again, we're talking about free will. That's the article that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the writers here put enthusiasm in here. Why? Why is it important? How, how are we tying it? Let's that, that's, that's draw these connections between free willy and free willy too. Right? <laughs> between, between enthusiasm and and free will. Keep going. Why? Why did they bring it? No, I'm asking you. Why did they? Why did they bring this? I don't why know they why they made in? Free Willy too. <laughs> Nobody does.
1: It's one of the one of the mysteries, great mysteries of life, mm-hmm. like the gospel. All right. So, if you are going to be made alive from being dead, that has to happen somewhere. And this is ultimately where it comes from. If you're looking for God apart from the places where he comes to you, of course you're going to wind up with yourself. So of course you're going to then have a dead person pretending that he can just make himself alive. That's not what dead is. Um, if, If God comes to you through word and sacrament and the preaching creates the faith that it demands, well then all of a sudden it's God at work to fulfill the law which he gives for you. This is law and gospel, the same as everything else. If, if it comes to your decision, your heart, your moment, your works, your anything, all of a sudden you have to somehow come up with what you need to sort of, I don't know, jump that precipice a- and uh, nope, <laughs> land nope. free in the ocean. Um, yes, there it is. <laughs> I hate that you made yeah. me do that. <laughs> um, if God is actually promised to be present in a meaningful way in word and sacrament, that means then his law can demand faith. His law can demand life. But his gospel, through that preached word, can actually provide everything that the law demands. And so when Jesus speaks to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come out, is it law or gospel? Well, yes. I mean, obviously, it's a command. But at the same time, Lazarus can't choose to come out of that tomb. Jesus has to speak him out of that tomb. And the same thing happens to us in the preaching of the word. God speaks to us out of that tomb. He He calls us out, and so uh, we're not saying that the law is is gone and and done for. What we're saying is the gospel is fulfilling the law even as it is being spoken, so that we are brought out and then free to not worry. Which was it that called us out? Where was the decision point for Lazarus to step out of the press? No, he. He was made alive. Do you really think he wants to stay in the tomb? Do you really, it stinks in there. Everybody said so. He wants out and, towards his family. And and how and how was he called out?
0: I mean, this this again goes against enthusiasm. It, it wasn't just uh, Jesus' presence there. No, he spoke. Right, he, he spoke. It was it was through his word. So again, this this life saving resurrection is through the word. This is this is how we must we must see it. And again, we're we're not saying that that God doesn't have the ability to, for lack of a better term, speak to me through uh, a beautiful uh, sunshine and and a break in the clouds and and a sunset. And, no, I'm saying He's no, smart enough not to. Exactly. Because He's got he... the power to do that, but He never promised me that that's how He's going to speak. I need something He never clearer. promised to me. Exact. He never promised to me that I'm going to. Uh, know his desire his will his gospel for me through the things of creation through the things of feelings through the things that inevitably hey yes they've actually all become corrupted through this original sin creation is corrupt my own feelings and emotions are corrupt but that's where enthusiasm takes us enthusiasm takes us to trust in all of these things which actually have become corrupted and yet, God says, well, wait a minute. I promise to be here. I promise to be with you in my word. I promise to actually bring you to faith because you are dead in your sins and trespasses. I promise to bring you in faith in the proclamation of the word. And the Holy Spirit will do this. This is how the Holy Spirit's going to work. He's not going to work any, any other way in his word and in his sacraments.
1: Right. And this, I think, actually answers the question that nobody actually wants to speak out loud. The one thing we're all sort of worried about when we start talking about who chooses what, um, and that's whether or not God actually wants us in in the first place. If we start with that God must speak us alive who were dead in the trespasses of our sins, we start with the fact that God doesn't want anybody damned god actually wants to make us alive all of us um it, it is why he sends forth his eternal word to to gather an eternal church he he sends forth preaching towards his enemies because he doesn't want anybody to die
0: we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. in in the weeks to come yeah. uh, when we talk about election mm-hmm. right because again where does where does our natural logic where does logic take you with with uh with the doctrine of election it 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 has to be uh, a double predestination and but you just said that scripture speaks against that that's another can of worms for another day though right well that's what i'm saying we're gonna get there but again this is the this is the oddity the weirdness of uh the mystery of the gospel speaks against uh things
1: like a rational logic i love that you said there's no mystery in the law the the gospel is the mystery that that actually makes it so much easier to deal with this stuff. If I want to just have an ordered conversation with somebody uh, about making choices, um, I do that with my kid all the time. Are you making good choices? There's no mystery in that. No, it, it was a bad idea to stick Play-Doh in the electrical socket. Um, it's just it was a bad idea. There's no mystery in that. The mystery is that I love him anyway. The mystery is, is that God loves sinners. The mystery is that he would bear the cross for us while we were still enemies of God and that he actually is at work even now to, well, make the dead people alive that good works would come spontaneously.
0: Yeah, the, the, mis- the mystery of it all is that uh, dead in my sin, mm-hmm. he came to me, uh, like you just said. That's the, the craziness of it. The mystery of it all is that even even for me, the converted man, uh, I'm not. I'm not running uh, a tandem with him, uh, in in regards to now the the things of of good works. Right. No. I can't be. I mean, I I, I I can't because there's still that sinful flesh in my in me that is is still going to be that old Adam uh, that is never done away with mm. until. Uh, my death and and the bodily resurrection or or the resurrection in and of itself. So that's never going to be gone for me uh, this this side of of the grave. And so I can't work in tandem with him. Even now, the regenerate, converted man, I can't do it. it. It's It's the Holy Spirit who's actually working through me. It's it's him who's actually producing this good fruit so that when I'm sitting there saying, uh, looking out my 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 window, and I'm not because I live in the middle of the city. But let's pretend I was in the middle of Midland, Texas. And that's that's not a good place. They what about Ocean World? Ocean I'm in the world. middle of a ocean Ocean World doesn't have uh, orchards here. I'm in the middle of a place uh, that orcas. has orchards, and Sorry. I'm looking out. <laughs> I'm looking out at my apple orchard, and I'm gonna go pick an apple. But I don't say ever. I'm going to go pick an apple off of that branch. Hmm. What do I say? I'm going to go pick an apple off the tree. Why? Because it's the tree's apple. It's not the branch's apple. Well, even the converted individual that I am, I'm connected to the tree. I'm connected to the vine. It's the tree's fruit through me. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You're sitting there rolling your eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So let me ask you this, mm. Pastor Goodman. Uh, if if the Holy Spirit uh, works in the ways that he's promised, and we've already established uh, over and against enthusiasm, over and against uh, me taking a Sunday stroll through the mountains because I feel closer to God there. Uh, that's not where God's promised to work. Uh, at best, I get the hidden God of creation. That's a scary God that can smash me at any moment. Uh, that's well, not but the he feels better that. there because there's no uh, other
1: sinners there. Of course I love God alone in the mountains because he makes me feel good. I hate the idea that God's in the church with the sinners I don't like, forgiving the sins. Well, then that's he, what you're well, looking yeah. for, well, then, the forgiveness of sins. Well, yeah. I don't want to find the forgiveness of sins in okay, creation. So, I, I want to find stuff in creation. God says I want to be in the creation well, me, forgiving the sinners in the church.
0: Then let me, okay, so let me ask you this. And that's exactly where God has placed himself, right? This is the whole thing with the conversion. The, the first part of this article when it's talking about conversion is uh, where does conversion take place, right? It And it's it's God for us in the person of Jesus. And now in time and space, it's God for us in word and sacrament, right? So, Pastor Goodman, uh, you bring your neighbor uh, who's an atheist to church on Sunday and he hears the exact same words that I do and the Holy Spirit works through these means and yet my neighbor the atheist still walks out the atheist
1: why I mean the short answer is I don't know um I I I mean really (laughs) so rather than then like why didn't it work let's go simpler was it a good thing or a bad thing that he heard God's word if it was a good thing, I'm not going to say a we wasted time. And, and and if it didn't work that time, was, let's do it again. Um, let's talk about what what you had a problem with there. Let, let's let's go from there. But at the at the same time, all the way along, um, what we get to focus on is the fact that God's word started something, God's word created something, God's word did even what it, it it demanded. And and maybe maybe you can sit through church as an unbeliever. I mean, the devil manages it every single week. But at the same time that's not the question the question is is it a good thing or a bad thing that God's word is being preached to those who do not yet believe well I say that's a great thing
0: yeah no it's an absolutely great thing it's it's what it's called to do that also then that all, that gives us the comfort because in in the the formula it it, it speaks of the that self-evident mm-hmm. truth that uh, an unbeliever can go to church and not be uh, not believe. Uh, the sinful flesh still rages against the spirit there. Uh, an unbeliever can read the, the scriptures and not be converted. Uh, the sinful flesh still rages against God and against his word and against the spirit there. Uh, but then it also speaks a little bit of comfort to us as as Christians. When we invite our neighbor, our brother, our, our friend or whatever to 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 church, or when we're speaking about the things of God to them, or hand over a Bible, it's not my job to convert Good. them. It's not, and and I don't have to uh, go through some twelve weeks uh, apologetic course uh, to be able to then say that at the end, if I can present things in the correct and the appropriate and the right ways. And I just lay it out, X, Y, and Z, that at the end of that, uh, I will convert my atheist neighbor. It's not about that. Whose work is it to convert? It's not mine. Who's, who's promised to do it? We already talked about this. It's the Holy Spirit. I believe that I can't believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He's the one who's done all right. of it, and- right? And if he's done that to me then that's the way that he's also done it for the entirety of the church from the fall until the
1: Lord comes Right, again. and it's sort of that what happens next question that we're kind of batting around. So somebody comes to church and doesn't believe and comes to church and doesn't believe and comes to the church. And then like we, we want that decision to have to be there to, to sort of bridge the gap between what was and what is. In all of it, we're, we're looking for Jesus where he hasn't promised to be found, sort of in, well, um, me. Rather, it's a simpler question. Is God active there? Is God present in the church? Because if God is and you believe that, well, of course you're going to go. Like You don't need to make a decision. It's just he's going to gather because you have been enlightened. We're using catechism words here. But if you actually believe that Jesus is in church, that's where you're going.
0: And how's he in church then? He's not in church in some mystical way. He's not not in church in in some... uh, kumbaya <laughs> unity that I have with somebody, No, he's in eh, the right? Word and the Sacrament, in where he church. forgives
1: even the people I'm not in kumbaya unity with, um, yes. and should be, so he makes us that way. And that, that, again, lets us sort of let go of the idea there needs to be some Pauline scales from the eye moment, that some sort of great decision, or, or sinner's prayer, anything, because you're well, in all of it, taking your eyes off of the fact that God is present in his word in your church for you. You don't need to make a decision. He was there before you made the decision. It's just now that you see it, you're not getting drugged along by somebody who has guilt-tripped you or somehow just even just invited you into church. You're going because, well, you're thrilled to be near Jesus. Just is. I mean, that, that's it is. just it. God's word creates yeah. that which it demands. And so God enlightens us to the fact that he's here and kindles in us a, a love. Um, well, you know, it's like angels show up to shepherds and sing glory to God in the highest. And then the shepherds say, fantastic news. Let's go see. Like there was no decision. It was just an, of course, we're going to go.
0: Yeah. The, and... And in that way, there was no coercion. No, no either, they, they didn't right? make them go. Which is, which is beautiful, and and I think this is the appropriate thing too. That the confessions speak about this, and and therefore the scriptures do, because uh, the confessions only say hmm. what the scripture does. But this is something that we need to realize too. Uh, the gospel never coerces. No, the law, the okay. law will coerce you. But the the gospel never coerces. And that's the dangerous thing, too, is because then we want to uh, bring and force people into conversion through, and it's nothing It's nothing yeah. short of coercion. It's, it's nothing of actually uh, attempting to use the gospel to coerce somebody into believing. Well, that's not the work of the gospel. That's not how the gospel works. That's not what the gospel is. There's no coercion there. The law does, right? And that's that's the uh, that's the first use, and the third use, uh, inappropriately understood. The third use of what the law does, right? So uh, I don't I don't steal from my neighbor because of the first use of the law, which means there's what, a curb. Pastor? I don't want to steal. I don't, I don't steal want to to from jail. my neighbor. Exactly. It it has nothing to do with my my love or my care for my neighbor. Uh, I don't steal from my neighbor because I don't want to go to jail. That's a coercion. That's that's the way that the law actually uh, keeps me in line or keeps the unregenerate in line and the sinner within me in line as well. But that's not the way of the gospel. So Pastor, Pastor Goodman, then let's maybe kind of wrap it up in regards to this because uh, we do have this this sinner that lives in us even though we've got this... Uh, new man, this new Adam that lives in us as well. And so the new Adam uh, loves the things, isn't coerced uh, to want to do the things of, of the gospel or the things of good works towards our neighbor, but loves them. And yet I still know, and, and Paul will say this in, in Romans, right? The things that I want to do, I do not do because uh, I'm a sinner. So, so how are we going to work with that? What do we do with that?
1: Again, it, it's wonderful to have the gift of, of, of a free desire, of a desire of the things of God. Uh, it's, let me start that over. Again, it, it's wonderful that God would make for us the... Again... When we talk about this, the, the distinction might be useful to, to recognize there's a difference between the free will and the free desire, because free will has all this baggage. And so it stops being about then, you know, did God make me do good works? Did God coerce me to do good works? Or, or do I, in fact, now love good works? Do I have the desire for the things of God, both the law and the gospel? Um, Because if God did, in fact, create in me the desire for his good gifts, even the law, then I can recognize I have two desires now. I I have the desire for that which God calls good and godly and meet and right and salutary, but I also have the old Adam desire to sin and and just destroy everything around me. I have both of them at the same time, and they fight every single day, and I feel like I lose them every single day then, the the battle to sin. And Paul writes this way in Romans chapter 7 as well. I have two desires warring against me, one a gift from God, one a curse from Adam. And in all of it, I have the gift of throwing up my hands and saying, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The God who spoke the gift of the gospel to me is the very same one who saves me from the daily war against sin I lose. So then in all of it, I can actually take peace, take comfort in knowing that even while my Mormon neighbor is outwardly nicer than I am because I look at all of my sin and I say I'm not near as nice as somebody who doesn't even believe that Christ is risen from the dead as God incarnate at the same time that Christ is risen from the dead. Speaks peace to me that my sins are forgiven, so that every single day, every single day, I would rejoice to drown the old Adam. I would rejoice that the new man would rise from the dead, and I would, um, I, I would take great peace in the fact that it's not up to me to win the battle against sin. Christ has already won it through His death and resurrection. That was
0: that was beautiful, and, yeah. and I think I think that's the the perfect way to mm-hmm. to kind of end this, uh, to to put yeah. a bow on it. I mean that. To, to kind of wrap everything up again, it, we, we should probably just once again hit Free Willy and just talk about the, the need for every man, woman, and child uh, to go and watch this movie and understand the greatness of it and how it transcends time and space.
1: <laughs> I hate you so much. And that's us. The the uncultured saints. (laughs) Let's just hide in the mercy of Christ, our Lord, who saves sinners like us. (laughs) We're done.